All right. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Onyx Report. Took a little hiatus for a, a week or so. So I hope everybody is well. Uh, I myself am getting back into the groove. Spring break is over. I'm back in the classroom. So just trying to uh, keep things moving. But as you guys know, the Onyx Report is, uh, what is this? I'm getting some weird noise. There we go. All right. I don't know what that was. All right. Anyway, Onyx Report um, is where we as black male justice advocates uplift black men and boys using critical analysis. So I hope everybody's good. Let me see. I got Gemini in here. Malika, what's going on? Rashid, Barry, what's happening? Eric, Ron, uh, let's see my thoughts. Uh, Eric is back in here again. So I hope everybody is well. Um, let me see here. So I think we are good. I was trying to uh, to also go on uh, Instagram, but it looks like I'm having a little trouble with that which has been the case the last time I tried as well. So I'm not real sure what the deal is with that, but eh, that's all right. I'll figure it out another time. Anyway, um, just got back myself. I had to take a little, a little drive this last weekend. I am in Fresno. So Fresno, uh, we are a good at least three hours away from everything everyone talks about in California. So whether you're talking about, um, you know, going to San Francisco, LA, hitting the beach, whatever it is, Fresno is inland. <laughs> we are, we are desert temperatures up in here. So, um, you know, every now and again, I got to get out and I got to drive. So, uh, this past weekend, you know, I had to hit up, um, actually it was a Monday. I had to hit up the beach. And so just to share with you guys a little clip, a little brief clip of what I get to take in, you know, this is what I go meditate to. I'll go sit out there for a couple hours and meditate right around sunset. I'm good to go. So I got a chance to take that in the other day. Thought I'd share a little piece of that with you. Whatever. And really, you know, the reason I, I bring that up is because I want and I hope that brothers have a, a release, whatever that is for you. I don't care if it's weights. I don't care if it's, you know, uh, putting the ball in the hoop. I don't care what it is. I hope you you know what your release is and you give yourself a chance to do it as often as you need to. You know what I mean? Sometimes I just need to breathe, man. I just need to go out and just meditate. And, go, and I will travel to other countries to go take in nature and just meditate. So, you know, at the end of the day, whatever that is for you, I hope you do it. And I hope you are doing it, especially in this last year. Things have been crazy. And we all need to get a chance to release. So um, but I say that to brothers more particularly because our stress levels tend to be ridiculous. We tend to carry the weight of the world uh, on us in a very distinct way. Um, and, and we grapple with issues that others don't. And that is empirically framed like we can we can prove that. So that said, um, get it in, whatever that is for you. Now, Eric, as far as Whitbeach, that time I went to Aptos. i would never been there before. I will literally just pull up articles on a bunch of beaches in Cali and I'll just go, just go to one. I don't care which one it is. You know what I mean? Uh, put the top down, get on the freeway and just let it roll. So, and our artisan, I don't know if I was near you, man. If I was, man, I apologize for missing you. 
you know, I didn't know where Aptos was. I didn't know where exactly you were. I just jumped in the car, man. I didn't really have a plan beyond that. I just drive three hours, meditate for a couple, get back in the car and come back, you know. Um, So that's what it was. But um, yeah, so I just wanted to encourage you a little bit, remind you to go back to that space, whatever that is for you um, and enjoy it. Life's too short for it to all be about work and stress. And for us, it can tend to be that a little too much, you know, but anyway, so today I wanted to start out, as y'all know, we celebrate black men over here. So that said, um, I wanted to get a chance to uh, look at some of these uh, issues that pertain to us. But, you know, before we do, just wanted to remind brothers that uh, remind those listening in general, whoever you might be. To support the Onyx Report, you know, you can do so by making a contribution. You could either uh, do that through YouTube, you know, using uh, the Super Chat, or you can do that through Cash App or PayPal. The information's right there on the page. You can also become a member, right? And that is basically uh, just to click the Join button. That's right next to the Subscribe button. I hope you've done both. Uh, and you can choose your level of membership, right? And so go ahead and do that and support the show. Um, we appreciate it over here. Uh, so definitely one way to approach uh, what we are doing. All right. So let's get it in and uh, see what we can. All right. Let's see. All right. So you know what I do here. I do the Sacred Black Masculine series. It's one of the things we do on the show. And it's basically one way that we celebrate black men. We celebrate black men's achievements, accomplishments. We celebrate their victories. We celebrate their sacrifices, especially considering uh, for how many people those sacrifices tend to go unseen, unacknowledged, uh, and dismissed in many ways. So over here, we acknowledge them, right? So first one up on the docket, as they say, is this brother here. This is from a repost from 56 Black Men. Uh, it's a story of a 26-year-old student. That is not him in the picture, from what I understand. 26-year-old student who sends a message to his teacher to explain that he'll be absent from the course because he's not found anyone to keep his five-month-old daughter. Uh, Mr. Alexander, 34, a math professor at Morehouse College, responds to his uh, student by saying, if that's a problem, take her to class or bring her to class. On arriving in the classroom, the teacher offered to take the child so that his student could devote himself entirely to the course. Teacher held the child throughout the lesson and even after when he answered the student's questions. The photo posted on social media uh, network. Internet users congratulated the teacher who not only teaches math, but also compassion, kindness and generosity toward others. Right. So this moved me because this is something I would do. Um, if in the situation provided, uh, you know, the child was willing to be uh, quiet long enough to let that happen. But I have had a lot, a, lo- a loud child, even in my own house. And I've learned some ways to kind of calm that down. One of the perks of being a father. But uh, I wanted to shout this brother out, uh, Professor Nathan Alexander, because this is a beautiful example of what black men do every day. Right. And so I have uh, tonight we're broadcasting on Interlight Radio as well as Facebook, as well as uh, YouTube and Twitch. So for my inner light uh, listeners, uh, this is a photo of a professor who's got the uh, child strap and the baby uh, on him while he's teaching a math lesson. And this is what's up. You know what I mean? 
this is definitely one of those things that, again, black men have been doing. And generally, um, people kind of seem kind of oblivious to, but it is nonetheless there. Um, let's see. What's up, Mr. Heat? What's up, Daima? Hope everybody's well. All right. So shout out to that brother. Shout out to Morehouse. Uh, good to see um, black men doing their thing and supporting that by honoring brothers who, who are. Right. So we got 84 in here. Please make sure you uh, like, share and subscribe as I suggested. Let's get the word out because uh, we are back on the grind. OK. Next up, this brother here, you can find this particular article on CNN.com, uh, but it's been featured in a number of places. This is a piece about an Instacart shopper believed he heard someone loading guns in a bathroom stall. Police arrested a man with six guns. So this is the Instacart shopper who heard the guns being loaded and called it in before anyone got hurt. Right. Instacart shopper who entered an Atlanta super Atlanta supermarket bathroom this week told police he saw an AR-15 style rifle and heard what he believed was the sound of someone loading guns in a bathroom stall. The witness rushed out of the bathroom and notified staff at the public supermarket. When police soon after arrived, they arrested a, a suspect as he was exiting the bathroom with six loaded guns in his possession. The suspect identified as 22 year old Rico Marley now faces a slew of charges related to the incident, which came just days after 10 people were killed in a mass shooting at a supermarket in Boulder, Colorado. It was that tragedy that was fresh in the mind of the Instacart shopper, Charles Russell, who's pictured here, said, I saw an AR-15 and I was like, you know, this is this kind of startled me uh, just again with events that recently happened. In the grocery store in Colorado, authorities have not yet said what they believe Marley intended to do with the weapons. According to the police incident report, Russell was entering the men's bathroom when he heard clicking sounds from the stall. It sounded to him like someone was loading firearms. He also told me that he saw an AR-15, uh, according to one of the officers. By the time the officer arrived, a commercial and residential complex in Atlanta, just north of downtown, supermarket appeared to have been evacuated. Um, that's what's up. The officer wrote that he donned a ballistic helmet and took his city issued rifle into the store where he immediately saw the suspect coming around the corner from the restroom just feet away. The officer ordered the suspect to put his hands up and not move. Uh, the accused appeared to be surprised when he saw us uh, that close to him. Marley was detained without incident. Right. Uh, so shout out to him. Much appreciation, you know, for him to, uh, doing that. I don't know how many lives he saved that day. Uh, but this would have been a very different story had he not uh, acted on what he heard. Says so after arresting Mar Marley, police uh, recovered six firearms, a DPMS AR-15 style rifle, a 12 gauge Maverick Arms Model 88 shotgun, three semi-automatic nine millimeter pistols and a 38 caliber revolver. All the weapons were loaded and the rifle shotgun and three nine millimeter pistols uh, all had a round in the chamber, according to the police report. Shit. The suspect who was wearing body armor when he was arrested had the four handguns in his clothing while the rifle and shotgun were being carried inside a bag. Marley has uh, been charged with six counts of possession of firearm or knife during commission uh, of or attempt to commit certain felonies and five counts of criminal attempt to commit a felony. Uh, Marley, who's been represented by a Fulton County public defender, waived his first court appearance Thursday where Judge Rashida Oliver ordered him to be held without bond due to his danger risk to the community at large. He's being held in the Fulton County, Fulton County jail. Wow. 
that would that very well could have been a very different thing right so shout out to this brother charles russell uh for stepping up appreciate that support dr thunders good to see you in here hope all is well now make sure you look for dr thunder on youtube support his channel it's a good brother right there uh scholar and a musician from what i understand um so yeah appreciate that brother all right so shout out again to charles russell beautiful work um Thankfully, nobody was hurt. This one comes uh, thanks to our very own uh, Officer Charles Faulkner, who recently just celebrated a birthday. Happy belated to you, sir. Uh, he's been kind of doing the rounds, kind of shouting these brothers out, and I wanted to help him do so. These are five young brothers who recently just won, um, you know, they just became uh, wrestling champions, all of them, at the same time. The, the names are Aaron Brooks, Gable Stevenson, David Carr, uh, Roman Bravo Young, and Cater Starochi. Uh, and Gable Stevenson was just one, or just won the Olympic trials to make the Olympic wrestling team last weekend as well. So these brothers all became wrestling champions um, just a few weeks ago. And I wanted to acknowledge that, that all five of them at the same time dominating the sport. You know, so shout out to these young brothers. Uh, congratulations to all of you. Hope to see more of you, uh, more success to you. I couldn't, you know, the interesting thing about it. Now, I haven't, I didn't get a chance to check today, but when I looked at it earlier, I was trying to find an article that acknowledged all five of them and I couldn't find one. Now, again, that may have changed, um, but I didn't have a chance to, I didn't see one prior to that. So again, we got to celebrate our own whenever we need to. Um, regardless of who does uh, or who doesn't. You know what I mean? Straight up. So shout out to these brothers. Beautiful work. Keep pushing. You know, wrestling was definitely one of those sports that uh, I did in middle school and it will put some hair on your chest. <laughs> Ain't no joke. Uh, some of these guys, depending on the team, depending on the school, man, they made the football team look like, I mean, man, the, re the work these wrestlers were putting in, Oh, God, man, it, it was it was raw. I don't think I I don't think I ever played a sport where we trained as hard as wrestling. But that's just me. So anyway, so, shout out to those brothers. Now, this one is both uplifting and sad at the same time. Um, this one here you can find in ABC seven NY.com entitled North Carolina 18-year-old sacrifices his life using his own body to shield 10-year-old from hail of bullets. Damn. Dodgewater Park, New Jersey, an 18-year-old from North Carolina died when he used his own body to shield a 10-year-old from gunfire. Uh, Altariq Bell and his family are from Skinnersville, North Carolina, a small town on the shores of Albemarle Sound in Washington County. Bell was less than a month away from his 19th birthday, he was close to graduating high school. He had dreams of becoming a model. Now he will not achieve uh, any of those milestones, but because of his selflessness, another young man has the opportunity to chase his own dreams. Uh, thank God my son was there to protect the little boy in the back seat. Bell's mother, Isetta Howell, said Bell was in New Jersey with his girlfriend visiting her family. On Saturday, March 27th, Bell was in the back seat of a car with his girlfriend's 10-year-old nephew. That's when another driver opened fire. Bell acted quickly, draping his own body over the 10-year-old as bullets ripped through the car. Multiple bullets struck 
and ultimately killed Bell. 25-year-old who was in the front seat of the car was also killed in the shooting, but the 10-year-old walked away unharmed. For him to save his life, that meant the world to me, even though my son is gone. But just to know that my son had a heart of gold, it makes it even better to deal with, said uh, Howell. The 10-year-old's mother had nothing but praise and admiration for Bell's courageous actions. So far, police have not announced any arrests made in this case. Again, inspiring and sad at the same time, but this brother sacrificed his life to save a child. Damn. Right? So, uh, all I can say is I wish his spirit well, you know. Um, you know, good work, soldier. You know, we sacrifice for the kids. We talk about doing so, but how many of us are ready and willing to do it is a whole nother thing. But he acted in the moment, and I celebrate uh, his sacrifice, uh, especially in the name of uh, making sure our kids can continue on. Um, to be this young, though, is uh, but anyway, um, congratulations. <sighs> To those of you who are able to take this lesson from Alteric Bell and apply it in some way in your life to make sure that you can be a resource to a to a child in some way, shape or form, however that may need to be. Uh, if you can take inspiration from this, I salute you um, and I salute this young man. Right. Straight hero. Right. Straight hero. And we don't hear enough about these brothers that do this. That and, and again, this is daily for black men. I'm not suggesting these things are new. I'm just shouting out what happens on a regular basis. It's the degree to which we don't acknowledge them, even if they are in the media, which I would argue is probably limited. Um, but they need to be acknowledged straight out. Right. Um, this next one is in similar fashion. Forgive the graininess of the image. This is actually an image taken from a low quality video. But this is uh, an interview that took place uh, with one Brittany Myers and one Solomon Odubajo. I may have mispronounced that. Um, I'm going to play a little bit of the clip this came from so you guys can see a little bit about what this pertains to. Appreciate the support, Latif Edwards. Thank you. I was scared. My husband had to tell me, call the police. So basically, we have a uh, couple that own a food truck and they were using on um, february 5th and we were supposed to meet with tom too my husband couldn't make the meeting because he was getting our food truck serviced once i got to the meeting that it just felt like it was something different that we were actually there for um you know he brought an all lives matter shirt to me and um he was yelling at me with it um calling me racist just making me feel very uncomfortable. I decided to just contact my husband and, you know, I told him like, hey, you know, he's making me feel uncomfortable. How far are you? Can you come? And so my husband, he literally stopped everything that he was doing and he raced there because, you know, I was feeling, you know, something wasn't right. 
So I ended up speaking I'm there in like five minutes. You could tell he acting weird because even when I'm talking to him, having a conversation, he's not looking at me. He's not paying attention. And then he just like lost it. And that's when he pulled out the Yeah, gun. that's when he pulled the weapon. Being married to a black man, it was hard at that moment. I'm sorry. I was just like, if I call the police, this may be it for him. This may be it. I was scared. My husband had to tell me, call the police. I didn't feel like, <laughs> it's sad because I didn't feel like that was the first people that can help, you know? And, you know, once they arrived, I literally, I stopped them at the door. I would not let anybody, I stood in the doorway and I begged them, every last one of those officers who had their guns, <clears throat> I said, please do not kill my husband. So, you know, um, let's see, shout out to Officer Faulkner in the building. As far as the wrestling champion, champions I mentioned, he gave a little more detail. He said they're all NCAA wrestling champions. So again, shout out to them. So the video we just watched, especially for those of you on online radio who are just listening in, if you missed any element of it, is uh, you got a husband and wife, uh, owners of a, of a, uh, a food truck who were storing some uh, materials at a, at a location owned by a gentleman named Toot. It was a white male, Caucasian male. And uh, when the wife went to go meet with him, he was talking a little strange. He was acting a little strange. He gave her an all, all lives matter shirt. She called her husband. He immediately dropped what he was doing, came in and saw the man about to pull a gun, caught it on video. He held the man for 11 minutes, gun in hand until the police showed up. Um, and what I appreciate about his wife was that she knew, you know what I mean? She she acknowledged the the, the danger her husband uh, could be grappling with when the police showed up. And she made it a point to not only point that out, there's a point in the interview where she talks about, you know, where she stopped the police at the door and made sure to let them know what was going on and what was happening, doing everything she could to make sure her husband didn't lose his life, all to end with this uh, this Caucasian cat getting out because the police said there was no proof that he was going to kill anybody. So, you know, um, that is what it is. But again, I wanted to shout the brother out, you know, for doing what he did again, another act of heroism, uh, something that black men are often accused of not, not demonstrating. Uh, and in actuality, uh, th these are daily occurrences for black men uh, sacrificing for either family uh, or as we saw with the young man a moment ago, uh, strangers for all intents and purposes. Um, so again, shout out to him, you know, Oh man, that was rough. So we're going to go ahead and get into it. If we can, let me uh, get this going here. So so what are we talking about tonight? This is uh this is one that's been on my mind for the last few weeks. How can black men determine if they're being represented well in media. And, you know, I, I've been watching a number of things as I started doing my daily uh, black masculinist news uh, show. I've been taking in a lot more uh, media than usual, you know, from television and film and so on and so forth. And I ran across an article about a young black woman who 
was fired, if I remember correctly, she was fired from the latest um, Osama. Appreciate that support. Um, <laughs> I don't even know how to pronounce that, brother, but I appreciate the support. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, um, uh, no, he had a Jelmo. I don't know if you're talking about the last video we had up, but no, he he had a gun. Uh, the husband uh, that you know caught his wrist and held it there, but he had a gun in hand. Um, so he he definitely had a weapon. The police just said they couldn't prove he was going to kill them with it, so they let him go. Um, anyway, uh, but anyway, so I was I was always noticing this African American woman was fired from the recent Superman um, show, the one that's currently on television, Superman and Lois. She was supposed to be one of the writers on the show. And uh, some of the things, the ideas she had weren't really flowing. And um, you can find an article about it. I, I, I didn't post one because I wasn't planning to go into it. This is really not about her. But in it, she did mention something that I hadn't thought about in a while. And it, it was referring to the Bechdel test or the Bechdel Wallace test. Um, and this is a test that, you know, many feminists use as a measure uh, of representation of the representation of women in fiction. Right. And so they basically ask a series of questions, um, you know, whether, uh, you know, a work features at least two women who talk to each other about something other than men. Uh, the requirement is that the two women must be named. Um, there's also sometimes added, according to user edited databases and media industry press, about half of all films meet these criteria. Passing or failing the test is not necessarily indicative of how well women are represented in any specific work. Rather, the test is used as an indicator for the active presence of women in the entire field or film and other fiction, so on and so forth. Um, and I'm not going to go into depth on that. You can look that up, the Bechdel test, B-E-C-H-D-E-L. Um, but it's used, you know, and this is something I remember reading about in graduate school. Right. Appreciate that, no one. Um, so the test is named after an American cartoonist, Alison Bechdel, in whose 1985 comic strip Dykes to Watch Out For, the test first appeared. Bechdel credited the idea to her friend Liz Wallace and the writings of Virginia Woolf. After the test became more widely discussed in the 2000s, a number of variants and tests inspired by it emerged. I thought about that and I was like, I wonder how much we've seen that really examines black men and how we're represented. Is there anything out there? And I haven't run across too much, and I'm sure there is. This is such a wide, you know, big planet. I'm sure somebody's done such work, but I can't say I've run across it. So um, inspired by, you know, this, I decided to create my own. And so this is what we're going to refer to as the Onyx Media Test. So you guys know I'm a huge geek. If that isn't evident to you, you have to be on the online radio show. But anyone who's looking at the video can tell I keep an array of items on my wall all around me. And, and trust me when I tell you there's many more. My camera just can't capture them. I got all kinds of collections. And if anything, I've been collecting comic books now for about 41 years. So you can bet my garage is packed to capacity with decades of comic books that I've had uh, since you know a young age. So. You know, I'm definitely a, a, a geek. I appreciate that support, Rashid. I'm definitely a comic head. I love comics. I love all things comics, uh, films. You know, I'm a fiction head. Um, my son knows that if he wants to stay up later than his bedtime, all he has to do is ask me if he can watch a fiction. 
Uh, and aside from having to deal with an informative lecture that gives context to the film we're watching, we're probably going to watch it. So, you know, he got me a couple weeks ago, right before bedtime. He's like, well, can we watch Alien? And I was like, yeah, we uh, appreciate that support, Corey. And I was like, yeah, we can watch Alien, you know. So, you know, we we, we delved in and kind of went ahead and did that. Yeah, I'm going to push over for that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, and we got one of those planned tonight. So we, it's, it, it is what it is in my house. But, you know, again, had I thought about there being any kind of formal breakdown, can't say I have. I, I haven't seen anything that really broke down some ideas. So I'm not suggesting that what I'm proposing here is definitive. But as usual, I'd like to at least start a conversation where we can contribute. All right. Appreciate that, Carter. Um, so I thought, you know, this is this is and I might do a, I might open the lineup, have some some of you guys uh, chime in because uh, I came up with about seven different uh, points, seven different points that uh, you guys can kind of chime in on. Give me your thoughts about uh, in regard to what we see in media and what we would like to see. Right. What we would like to see. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start going through them one at a time. And if you would pop in uh, on the spe- on a specific point, on a specific point that I raised and give your thoughts. Ah, shout out to the lead attorney. Good to see you in here. Excellent video. Um, you did a while back with O'Shea covering uh, Derek Jackson. It was informative. If anybody's not checked out that video, the lead attorney, I definitely support his channel. Definitely check out the video he did with O'Shea on Derek Jackson and divorce. It definitely applies to more than just celebrities. Trust me, you one listen to that interview, you will be taking notes and you will rethink if you haven't already how you navigate dating, marriage, so on and so forth uh, in this reality. So shout out to the lead attorney. Hope you're well. What's up, Ian? Uh, I see BGS in the chat. Shout out to BGS. Um, y'all make sure you check out his Black Pill channel. Um, you know, so it's uh, one of the channels he's had for a while, but he's putting some content on there recently. So y'all make sure you go check it out. Um, and yes, in full agreement, Malika, Black Geek, Geeks Unite, for real. All right, so here's the first one. And, uh, you know, again, I'd like to hear your thoughts. You can also come in and uh, talk about examples uh, of your, you know, to your mind. What's up, West Coast? Good to see you in here, Gemini. All right, so the Onyx Media test questions whether a media production has at least two black males in it, who? Uh, Number one, can be shown as everyday black men. They are not disembodied as aliens, pet animals, etc. You know, one of the most recent examples of that is Disney's Soul with Jamie Foxx, which I enjoy. You know, don't get me wrong. I can I can be a bit schizophrenic and you and you kind of have to be, you know, you got to kind of have a Du Boisian, you know, you know, kind of double consciousness to live in this reality. So I can go and watch a movie and at the same time. Uh, find things in it that I find discomforting, I find problematic, and yet on an entertainment level, thoroughly enjoy it. Um, You know, so I can watch a movie, have fun, come to class the next day and tear it apart. It is what it is, because it doesn't suggest that because it was entertaining, that it wasn't problematic in some way, shape or form. It's not. Uh, It is just to say that we have to be able to call these things out and identify the problems with it, right? So black men being presented as human beings has been a consistent problem uh, beyond just media. I mean, even in terms of how we're treated in the law, we deal with the history of our treatment, how we're viewed 
in general, this, this has been an ongoing issue for several centuries now. But post-slavery, one of the things we saw was the use of stereotypes to rally um, public opinion. And, and if anything, to make sure that such things as voting, for example, operated in a way that was anti-Black in many instances. So stereotypes was a consistent way of doing that. And something as subtle as showing a Black man in this movie who's portrayed in two forms other than his own um, has a kind of impact uh, that it doesn't necessarily for others when you control for the history of black male representation. So in this, you're seeing two forms uh, out of three that Jamie Foxx's character in Disney's soul took. Took one as a disembodied spirit on the left and then as a cat for a good portion of the movie on the right, right? And I think something similar, I didn't watch the one of the, I think it's Will Smith's, one of his recent animated pictures. I think he was a pigeon or something. I didn't watch that one. But uh, it was another one I heard about. But these kinds of representations in many ways, um, you know, it, it kind of reinforces a very subtle idea about black male inhumanity. Uh, and I know that sounds whatever. But at, at the end of the day, it is what it is. I mean, you know, black men not being shown as human beings is a bit of a problem. So I'm going to drop the link. Um, and if you have a quick comment, something of that regard that you'd like to put in. Please make sure you do. Um, let me see. I'm also going to get some of this in here. Uh, all right. So, okay. So I dropped the link. And like I said, uh, if you just have a quick comment about this point, you can pop in. If you want to wait till a later one, you can. I got six more. Um, but, you know, exactly, Tyrone. Uh, the media can be extremely brutal when it comes to the representation of black men, which is one of the reasons, um, you know, that I wanted to shout out that I do the, the sacred black masculine series. Right. Because these are things that many of us may not even be aware of. Right. So let's see. Number two. And you can tell me if you have some other examples of any of these as well. I just use one or two examples at a time. Right. Uh, so number two, the onyx, uh, I mean, excuse me, uh, let me see. Uh, characters who don't spend the majority of the story overly catering to white or female characters, especially without an explicable reason. So, I mean, one of the classic examples that people refer to goes back to the 1980s you know, series Lethal Weapon. Right. Danny Glover, Mel Gibson. And again, I'm, I like Danny Glover as an actor. I think the brother is a brilliant actor. Don't get me wrong. However, um, you know, watching Lethal Weapon is hard to not see this character played out the way he was. And, and you know, he's one that had an odd, and this is one of the things I noticed with, with some of these, uh, these kinds of characters. They have an odd way of being overly supportive of white or female characters that doesn't really have any basis in the story. They're just supportive. You know, they meet, shake hands, introduce themselves, and the next thing they know, the next thing you know, they're damn near ready to kill themselves or sacrifice themselves for this character for the rest of the series or the film. And there's no real reason why, you know, uh, it's one of the things that I've seen, you know, for the longest, but it definitely highlights the differences uh, between uh, the value of certain characters lives. So let me see. Uh, hold on here. Hey, where'd my mouse go? There we go. All right. 
So we got Midtown in the wind. Hello? Yeah, it's just me, you know. Okay. I've, uh, as you know, I grew up in the uh, 90s, and I've, saw, I've seen Lethal Weapon, um, most of the Lethal Weapon series. Okay. Now, I try to, I don't try to, I mean, I try to, I, I look past, I've, I've, I did miss that, you know, growing up. I miss the whole Oprah's over over um catering. Oh, you talking about you talking about Lethal Weapons particularly, or are you talking about uh, in, in, in 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 movies in general? Okay. And now that I look back at it, if they would have toned the catering down, mm-hmm. I would be able to link it back. I would be able to link it back. To, to 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 my experiences growing up. Okay. Okay. Now, my experiences growing up, I mean, believe it or not, I am black. Okay. Believe it or not. And my experiences growing up, I'm I as you know, I speak proper English. I don't speak Ebonics or the neighborhood um, or the neighborhood language. For me, that right there put me at a darned if I do, darned if I don't. If I do speak Ebonics, I get in trouble at home. If I speak, e- if I, and if I don't speak Ebonics, I get in trouble in the streets. So I had to pick my battles. Okay. Okay. Well, let me do this now, I, because I do want to continue and I just want y'all to offer a brief statement. Summarize, if you will, in the next 10 seconds what your major point is in terms of what, where your thought is on this subject. My point is, is like, if they wouldn't have had it, had it over catering mm-hmm. that I would be able to, I would be able to relate to the character because I got, I had to get, I got, I fought every day. I had to, I had bad experiences in my, in my, okay. in my, in my youth Okay. with other black people. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate you contributing on the thought, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's no problem. All right. All right. See you. So, you know, look, code switching is a thing. It is what it is. It's one of the ways that people have to navigate. It is what it is. But, you know, yeah, that one thing I will say that MGTOW brought up that, that uh, struck me is when he said, you know, I didn't really catch that. And this is, and this is important because a lot of the things that we talk about, Appreciate the support, James, as well as Black Titan. Appreciate that support. A lot of things we talk about, um, Lady Miss Thing, I didn't see Tenet yet. I don't know how I missed it, but I forgot to watch it. So I will check that out. But a lot of the things that, that tend to happen, you know, we grew up watching. We consumed it. You know, it, it, and that's a very different thing from critically analyzing it. Not all of us do that. Not all of us critically analyze what we do. And even those of us that do, you don't catch everything. You know what I mean? You'll see something that you haven't watched in 20 years. And I'm big for that because my, my, you know, in my home growing up, we were latchkey kids, which is a term that's been lost. But, you know, in the 80s, we were kids who, you know, my mother didn't come home from work till seven, eight o'clock. So, you know, we went to school, we came home, we cooked our own dinner some of the time. We played outside. We did homework. We watched a lot of TV and we absorbed a lot of ideas without critically or being able to critically analyze what we were absorbing. You know what I mean? So in that respect, you can take in a lot of these ideas without even, uh, let me see. We got one more Prince. Yes, sure. 
Hello? Hey, good afternoon. Good evening, Doc. You got to turn your background down. Okay, I'm sorry. No problem. Is that better, sir? Uh, a little bit. Um, Malika, appreciate the support. So what's your thought on this, Prince? What's going on? Well, um, first of all, I, I look at who, first of all, owns all those studios, who owns all of these mm-hmm. music mm-hmm. Uh, industries, and they're all Jewish, Jewish, totally, totally honest with it. And they don't want to promote a positive uh, uh, image of black men. So we're always to step and fetch it. We're always super helpful to them. We're always in the servitude position of any white man or white woman. And mm-hmm. so, so that is the the I have of it. And it's and it's it, it's it's what's ingrained in our mind because, like you're saying, television. I was born in the '80s, raised in the '90s as well. Television and music has 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 grafted and cultivated my mindset. Mm-hmm. In my, mm-hmm. The way I wear, wear clothes, the way I say hello to people, like brother people, like people, you know, I speak proper English as well, which English is a bachelor language. You know, you, you know, say, hey, I like your jeans, but I don't know if I'm talking about your skin color or the pair of clothes you're wearing. So, yes, we were taught to speak a bastard language very well, very well. Our own, own family uh, would make fun of us for it. Yes, that did happen, but we're just continuous, even in that topic about how you speak, how you dress, how supportive you are to white men and women when the things they do, and especially women as well. And it just, it's, okay. it's all to defeat the genetically superior uh, gene that uh, Dr. Um, um, Mendel stated that black men are the greatest city on earth. Earth, And if okay. black men ever learned that thing, they would lose control. And they would have an issue uh, uh, with all of the lies that they portray through the music, through the music, gotta kill another black, the black, you know, or let's put every song with the N word in it, and not act as if the N word, the word does not well, relate hold, hold to on, black. Prince, you you you're cutting in and out, uh, so I'm not okay. sure what's going on. Um, but no, no, I appreciate that because we're gonna we're gonna keep moving. But I appreciate your contribution to it. So thanks a lot, brother. You've arrived. Oh. All right. So um, so that's one of the examples there. All right. So let's continue from here. Let's see. What do we got? Point number three. Right. Aren't at uh, two. So particularly blackmail two black and two named blackmail characters in the film who aren't at odds because of their hyper dedication to white or female characters values are able to demonstrate will, intellect and choice choice as self-defined characters with their own purpose now this is one of the things we saw in the recent mcu series right where when we're looking at this 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 issue between captain america and iron man well one of the things we see is both of their sidekicks right war machine and falcon uh arguing at one point on behalf of their white benefactors and then getting into a kind of confrontation now there was it was a confrontation obviously that had more than just the two of them but the the opposing nature Barry, appreciate that support. Thank you. Um, there, you know, the 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 intensity of the argument between the two. Uh, of course, it results in uh, War Machine or James Rhodes um, end up uh, ending up, uh, uh, you know, paraplegic. He loses uh, the use of his legs uh, after this particular battle. And I'm going to bring them up again a little bit later uh, because I'm not limiting the discussion to just what we saw in Captain America: Civil War. 
But it's just this moment where, you know, if you've grown up reading comic books like I have and you watched for decades, these black men only really being able to play these side characters for most of their uh, most of the characters. You know, there are some independent characters we've seen, but for the most part, many of these characters came out of a legacy of serving as white characters, sidekicks. Right. Even their masculinity in many ways was measured by um, the characters that they represented for. And they were, you know, kind of the it was a mixture of being like guard dogs and and, and lesser beings and, and at the same time. Right. You know, and even their narratives were all a reflection of the white characters that preceded them. So we've seen this across the board in so many different characters from the Superman legacy, the Green Lantern legacy, you know, Iron Man. Uh, Captain America and many, many more. I'm just skimming the circuit surface. Uh, y'all go check Artisan MC's channel on Sundays, most particularly when he does his show. He deals with the uh, with um, you know the uh, geek material way more in depth and on a consistent basis than I do. But at the end of the day, this is one of the things we see. So when we're watching a film or a movie, are we watching you know black male characters who are operating on behalf of white or female? Uh, values and in, in other words, but in particular characters values at that, right? Are they op- or are they operating as self-defined characters with their own sense of purpose? Now, there's nothing wrong if their sense of purpose coincides with another character's, but it's a whole different thing to have them wholly representing uh, white characters or female characters simply because, right? This is one of the things that I kind of want to, you know, make sure we just put on the table, right? To, for for you know consideration. You know, are these self-defined black men or are they operating on others uh, value systems and they have no sense of self-agency whatsoever? You know, let me see here. And growing up in the 80s and I was born in the 70s, raised in the 80s. You saw these kind of things a lot. Um, But let's see. Let's go on. So the next one. And I'll see. Let me see. I'll put the link. Again, uh, there we go. All right, let's get that in there. Then I'll put the link out again. I'm going to pop in. So we got point number four, right? Um, At least two black male named characters who can acknowledge each other peaceably, but are also able to be presented as human beings with backstories that inform their behavior and portray emotion beyond anger, including vulnerability, right? So I I told you I was going to bring these two back up again because I thought what they did was kind of redemptive for their characters in the recent uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier series. I don't find it accidental that this has a black director, but uh, Stylus, what's up, man? Um, You know, in this particular scene, you have them actually having a conversation after Sam gives up the Captain America shield, right? Now, I did a video on this where I talked about black imposter syndrome and what I thought was going on with Sam. We've yet to hear his thoughts on this and why he would give up the shield. But this is something that uh, I think that is going to come out soon because there's only three episodes left in the series. There's only six. They've done three so far. But in this particular moment, you got a chance to see these two characters out of costume, not using talking points and rhetoric that came directly from their white benefactors and just conversating with one another. Now, mind you, uh, if you're not familiar, Anthony Pac- Mackey on the right plays uh, 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 Sam, who's the uh, the Falcon. And on the left, you have Don Cheadle, who plays James Rhodes or the War Machine. 
And the last time they met that we know of in in, uh, uh, Captain American Civil War, um, you actually had Don Cheadle's character, James, injured to the point where he could not use his legs. Um, And it was mainly because in a particular confrontation uh, confrontation, uh, with Sam, Sam was able to dodge a blow or a bolt that was coming from Vision, and it ended up uh, damaging uh, Rhodes. So he could have very well blamed Sam. There could have been all kinds of hostility. But to have the scene where they're casually walking and discussing with no venom, no anger at one another, just dialoguing as two black men was interesting. Uh, let me go ahead and bring up my boy Malika to the screen. What's up, man? Peace, brother. Peace. Peace to you your family. You as well. Uh, give me your thoughts on some of this, man. What do you think? I love the point which you're talking about, uh, number four. Okay. Um, I'm tired of seeing black men being represented, but black men that don't really have any personality. Mm-hmm. You're just there because of black. Now we have, I'm a geek just like you, <laughs> but if we go to one of our favorite superhero characters in the movie, Blade, he had no mm. personality. Mm. I loved mm. him. He was great, yeah. but he had no personality. He was mm-hmm. very one dimensional. Mm-hmm. But thankful that we're seeing um, Anthony Mackie and Don Shields characters in that specific moment that they're talking. Right. And right. they're showing that these men have personalities. Mm-hmm. These men are three dimensional. Yeah. They're not just following Cap. They're not just following Tony. Exactly. They're not just being quote unquote sidekicks. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I hate when you see characters in one instance, they have a strong sense of masculinity. Sam Jackson's character as um, Nick Fury. But mm-hmm. then when you see him in Captain Marvel, he's trailing behind Captain Marvel and he's this kind of yeah. coonish a little bit buffoonish and i couldn't watch the rest of the movie after that because yeah. i said you show him one way but you have to emasculate him in another way okay mm-hmm. and that's that gets me or the black guy he's there like um eddie murphy did this in his early career as being the flippant funny um mm-hmm. cocky black guy and I'm not mm-hmm. knocking him, but that's mm-hmm. what he did for a betterment of his career. Mm-hmm. Or you're the overly masculine black guy mm-hmm. who's not too smart. Mr. T made his career off of this. Mm-hmm. Or if you're the smart mm-hmm. black guy, you're effeminate or you're the weak, nerdy or blurred guy. And 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 let's keep in mind uh, what you're really referring to, too, are very old stereotypes. Yeah. Like when you talk about Mr. T, a lot of his characters in the 80s, he He's played kind of, he was a buck. Absolutely. Yeah. Big, strong, uh, not that bright, you know, kind of character. Absolutely. Uh, so these, a lot of these come from older stereotypes. And one of the things we notice is even when we try to challenge and redefine stereotypes, we can end up re, re, we can reinvoking other aspects of it. Yeah. You know, when you talk about Eddie Murphy, one of the things that, that Eddie did well in the eighties for his characters is they were confident. Yes. You know, that was something you didn't always get to see with black men. They were capable characters like Axel Foley, capable characters, confident characters, but could also be buffoonish. You know what I mean? So. It, so in one vein, you're challenging a stereotype, but you can reinvoke another if you haven't had an opportunity to study 
how these stereotypes came about, what they are, how they're framed. If you don't really study that, you, you kind of end up doing that because stereotypes are like a vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And, in, and in the West, it is it, 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 it's a it's a vocabulary in media that we've all learned and we don't really think about. In many ways, we just accept it. But and there is a vocabulary for every group. This the West is so racialized. There really is no group that isn't um, stereotyped in one shape, way, shape or form. I don't care if you're Native American, Latino, if you're Irish, if you're British, if you're Jamaican, you know, if you're Russian, there are stereotypical narratives that go with each group. But when you talk about black men in particular in the West, the stereotyping goes back to a legacy of, of stereotypes developed after slavery that had a very political purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, of really trying to devalue the public's sense of, um, you know, faith in what black folk could be, especially post-slavery, right? Because the South's biggest fear was that we were going to take over, but so, you know, with, with the power of the vote. So these stereotypes had a very particular purpose, and we still see them in our media, but we don't always know what they mean. But I wanted to give you a last opportunity to to kind of, you know, uh, give us your closing thoughts on on this. Um, I'm tired of seeing this new stereotype. The self-righteous Negro. Okay. You see in the Tyler Perry movies. We saw mm-hmm. it with Cliff Huxtable. Mm-hmm. He can't be wrong. Or if he's <laughs> if he's um if he's redeemed, if he was in prison, mm-hmm. he's the church going dude, or he's mm-hmm. the deacon or everything, and mm-hmm. nothing goes wrong. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you gotta be chased, you gotta be this. And I just got tired of that shit. I'm like, <laughs> and I said, there's a new. There's there's a new there's a new thing out the self righteous negro, and you know Tyler Perry's made a billion dollars off of that. Um, Bill Cosby made millions off of that with Cliff Huxtable. And after Bill Cosby did this, you started seeing this a lot come about, and now mm-hmm. it becomes this new stereotype out there that we have the self righteous male and definitely the self righteous female negro. Okay. Okay. We see that you see that um Issa Rae did that. You see mm-hmm. that a lot with a lot of black females. She's single mom, she's holding down a career, she's trying okay. to do anything and everything. Okay. Okay. Um, you see that in girlfriends, all mm-hmm. like it's the self it's the, the self-righteous woman that she can do at before the age of 30, she's done anything and everything. She's owned her own business, she owns her own home. Okay, but she can't seem to get a man. Oh, okay, okay, she can't okay. seem to keep a man. I see what you're but saying. But it's always the man's fault. Mm-hmm. But she has her brood of girlfriends that always can come together and say, girl, it's okay. You mm-hmm. just haven't had a man yet, or there's not a man there that can meet you until she meets the mystery man, who's the self-righteous Negro that matches her. Well, and is also willing to serve her across the board. But uh, appreciate you dropping in on this, man. Thank you. Peace. Thank you very much, bro. All right, well. Okay, so... So we were at number four and we talked about, you know, that they have their own uh, context and there be. And now I want to reemphasize this, this portrayal of emotion. Right. When it comes to black men, because we're often presented in very particular ways, we're either, you know, buffoonish, cowardly or hyper masculine. Right. And in that the range of emotions becomes a factor. Right. We are often not able to be vulnerable in a manner that doesn't have to be emasculating. But at the same time, um, can we be capable of portraying something beyond anger? Right. So anger is one of the the emotions that's acceptable. 
um, based on how we kind of envision what manhood is, what masculinity is, but we don't often explore some of the other emotions uh, or, or the characters are not allowed to in many ways. So uh, even th- again, going back to this particular scene in the series, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it wasn't, you know, depression. It wasn't fear. It wasn't uh, self-pity. It was just, you know, these two brothers talking about the weight of their decisions and what they're doing and how that impacts this world that they're living in post Thanos, you know? So if you're not, if you're not watch the series, of course, I don't think you get what that means, but uh, you know, it's important, but just being able to see black men engage on screen in ways that go beyond the limited scope of what we're allowed to present. Okay. Um, I see a lot going on in the comments. I'm not able to keep up with all of it, but remember, you can pop up in here and comment on some of these directly. Right. So the next one up, number five, uh, black men who aren't solely driven by sex, especially to the point of rape or sexual violence. They aren't abusers or rapists. Right. This is a series. This is something that we uh, that black men have been linked to again, uh, most especially by the time you get to the mid 20th century. You start to see a lot more of this where black men are hypersexual and they're considered sexually dangerous. Um, this becomes a trope that really rationalizes a lot of the false accusations against black men, even during slavery through the mid 20th century about uh, accusations of rape, many of which were not they were not able to even be investigated in a court of law because many of these brothers died uh, via lynching at merely the accusation. So, of course, by the time you get to a Me Too Uh, Black men have a very different experience with the notion of hashtag believe her or believe all women. Uh, We have a different experience with that. That said, appreciate the support, AB Media. Good to see you in here. That said, this whole conversation about black men being able to be represented and not be driven solely by sex is important. Now, the scene you can see in here is from the first movie Blade. Right. And there's a character I don't believe I ever saw a name. I'm not even sure what the name of the actor is. I couldn't find it. So if any of you guys can find it, please let me know. But those of you who are are fans of the film, remember, there was a scene where Blade walks in to get his serum. And there is a brother in a store um, that gives it to him. You know, they dap each other up, you know, give each other a hug. As you can see, none of it was emasculating. None of it was overly feminine. And, you know, the characters themselves, neither one was presented in some kind of way that was sexually driven. They weren't abusers. They weren't rapists. Although I did have a, a colleague of mine once tell me that there was a rape narrative uh, at the end of the film when Blade was drinking the blood of the woman uh, whose character uh, escapes me at the moment. She gave her, she gave him some of her blood and that there was this kind of subtle rape narrative that went along with it, which pissed me off for, t- <laughs> for at least two weeks after that conversation. Nevertheless, uh, you know, again, this narrative is always going along with black men and it needs to be challenged. Now, I'm bring my boy Ian up in here. I, I need you to be concise. Good brother. Tell me your, your, your thoughts real quick on, on either one of these bullet points. What do you think? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. OK, well, um, well, when you bring up Blade, um, well, part three in Blade was uh basically to emasculate him completely because they uh they made all the characters you know almost as powerful or sometimes even more powerful than Mm -hmm. blade in a lot of cases you know Mm -hmm. i guess that was their way of trying to um end the series for whatever political social political reason but it it was clear to see 
that uh, that they were doing away with him in that mm-hmm. um, in that movie. But mm-hmm. but to go on to to see what the effects of those I can give from a uh, personal standpoint. When I was in mm-hmm. the fourth or fifth grade, um, I, I had GI Joes and mm-hmm. I had the I had the one black one with the ball head. <laughs> You know roadblock. <laughs> roadblock. Uh-huh. So, so, but what, 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 what I would do when I played, I would always set him aside and make the white GI Joe do all the heroic things. Uh, you know. Okay. You know, okay. but okay, but, but <laughs> okay, but, yeah. but, the, but the saving grace though was the fact that I woke up. I had this kind of self awareness or self analysis that happened. Um, when I was young and I said mm-hmm. to myself I looked at myself when I put it there was a particular day I can remember the day I put it I, I did that and I and I looked at myself I said why would I do that and I mm-hmm. said it must be the television and I'm in mm-hmm. the fourth or fifth grade and I realized that the television was actually programming me not to see myself and, and my image as a as a heroic fig, fig, figure yeah absolutely absolutely definitely and, and and so when you when you factor in how quickly you can take something like heroism and disassociate it not only from black men but even from yourself as a child watching watching these images, you can see how being a sexual threat or you know being unintelligent but being a big buck you can see how those ideas begin to to shape how we even define our own sense of masculinity. Yes. Right, because these are ideas that we see reinforced hundreds of times in media, and and there's really not a lot of dialogue about. So you just take it in, and as a child, you just think, well, this must be what I'm supposed to be in in some way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. you know. And, and and so in that, you start to see, you know, life imitate art, as they say. Yeah. And, and there's no critical dialogue. Any closing yes. thoughts you want to give for you? Well, so so with with all that being said, I think that put me that 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 pushed me to some degree. You know, because I hadn't fully, um, um, you know, uh, digested the, the, the whole the whole um, uh, uh, brainwashing that I got. But mm-hmm. I think to some degree it caused me to be almost like a concubine because mm. throughout throughout my younger life, I thought that in real life, if I got shot by a gun, that maybe some black some black female would see me as a hero if I had mm-hmm. gotten fatally wounded of some mm-hmm. sort. So it, so it pushed me to have this this extreme sense of idea of a hero, yes. you know, that would yes. put myself in danger. Yes. Excellent point, brother. Thank you, man. You're welcome. All right, man. Talk to you soon. All right. Peace. 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 Now, Ian brings up a powerful point about sacrifice and heroism. And that's one of the things uh, that we see men across race are being lured with from childhood on, right? The idea that if you if you sacrifice enough, that if you're heroic enough, that you'll be rewarded with respect, right? Because respect is the currency of men. It is the language of men. It is the lifeblood of how men interact. We live and die by respect. And when we contemplate relationships, right, much of what we even want from women in terms of how they express love is respect, Right. So the idea of heroism that we get as a as a child, even and heroism doesn't have to be, you know, just a superhero. I mean, it could literally be the people we see in the news, the people I talked about earlier in the show, or it can be uh, football players, basketball players, those who make the play at the last minute, those we look up to all of these different forms. They can be firefighters 
uh, you know, and, uh, soldiers, all these different. And I'm sorry, in some situations, uh, yeah, even if you grow up in your neighborhood, it could be the local gangsters. The point I'm getting at is however you define heroism, one of the things we're taught is that if you properly play out that role as a child, this is when we learn it from comic books, from television shows, from you know characters we play with, you know, little action figures, all of that. What you learn is if you are able to embody this hero well enough, you'll be respected. You'll be respected by your boys. You'll be respected by strangers. You'll be respected in particular by women. And when you become an adult and you try to live these things out, you find that it doesn't quite work that way. You know, it, it 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 just doesn't. So you can sacrifice your life and do all of that, and the rewards never quite work the way you think they will. And it begins to erode some men's confidence when we find it doesn't work quite that way. Um, all right, so let me see here. Let's get to the next one. Number six, black men who aren't beat up by whites or women, or rather aren't used as a foil merely to highlight white or female physical, moral or intellectual superiority. Now, years ago, when uh, what was it? Um, Boomerang came out. Eddie Murphy, one of his, his, his famous skits in the film uh, was, you know, talking about Star Trek. And one of the things he talked about is, you know, Yeoman Johnson. If Yeoman Johnson was in a scene, you knew he was going to get killed. And to a Trekkie, it was hilarious to hear. But uh, one of the things I noticed that I really didn't hear a lot of people talk about is, you know, growing up in the 80s, watching Star Trek Next Generation, you had here Michael Dorn, who played Worf. And Worf was supposed to be, you know, Klingon, which meant that Klingons had hyper strength. They were supposed to be stronger than the average human being. Uh, and he was the only Klingon in Starfleet. Right. So anytime there was a scene where there was a new alien of some sort that was a threatening figure, a menace, one of the things you often saw them do was put, uh, you know, pit them against Worf. And nine times out of 10, Worf got his ass whooped. Worf was used as the foil to highlight how powerful alien characters were. And he himself would almost always be beaten and humiliated on a regular basis. It got to the point where I didn't find, you know, if there was a new scene and Worf was supposed to fight him, I didn't, I didn't have a whole lot of faith in Worf. And, and again, I'm functioning as, you know, middle school. Uh, so there was a transition from elementary to middle school to high school during the 80s for me. And during that time period, watching these shows, it, you know, I like Michael Dorn as an actor, don't get me wrong, you know, and much respect to the legacy of black actors, many of whom had to play these roles just to get foot, feet in the door. Uh, independent films we made were often unseen. Um, so I don't mean to disparage black actors. That's not what I'm trying to do. I understand many of them did what they had to do, but, in, but one of the things I'm just noticing is the impact that the way those characters were written and portrayed had. And when it came to Worf, he played a buck, essentially a big, strong buck who wasn't supposed to be very bright. Um, and he was often getting beat up to highlight other people's strengths or, uh, with the women on the show who were invariably white. I mean, they only had, you know, women of color playing minor roles. They come in here and there and operate a machine and leave. But, you know, the women on the show were, were always kind of demonstrated as being far smarter, right? Whether the, it was the counselor, Troy, whether it was, you know, um, uh, Dr. Uh, Beverly, uh, I forget her last name, but I mean, the point, the point was Worf was represented as a buck, you know, and so he was just a brief example of a black male character 
who was used to highlight others' physical, moral, or intellectual superiority, right? And this is something we saw on a regular basis. And for many of us, we took it as a regular thing, isn't it? You know, especially if you were a child, you may have even processed, processed this as normal, right? As right, because it was something we saw so often, um, um, you know. So that being said, you know, something to think about here, right? Do you see black male characters who are continually used as a foil? Now, there's some of this that goes, you know, to men across the board. But here's the thing. I'm not talking about men across the board because black men have a unique history and that history needs to be explored on its own merit. So, you know, I'm, I'm not at all arguing that none of the things I said apply to men in general. Not my argument. It may or it may not. I'm merely talking about black men um, because that's that's my target group. That's what I'm, I'm concerned about. So you constantly would see that. Now, Worf is just one example. You know, feel free to share in the comments or come up on the, on, on the screen and share, you know, others that you think may play into this dynamic. But at the end of the day, you know, black men being used as a foil for others to demonstrate their superiority is, is a regular occurrence. Um, let me see here. Okay. So moving along, we come to our last one, number seven, right? Black males who aren't stupid, buffoonish, dishonest, criminalistic, or overly fearful for reasons that have nothing to do with the story. Nothing to do with the story. Now here, um, going, you know, clockwise, I have Mel Johnson, who played Willie in the film Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger. We have John Boyega, um, who played in the last Star Wars trilogy, right? Um, and then as Finn. And then at the bottom, we have Ahmed Best, who plays Jar Jar Binks in the prequel trilogy, right? Now, here again, I highlight, I do not, I'm not attacking black actors. Appreciate that. Uh, welcome to the Brotherhood, Christopher. I'm not attacking black actors because you've got to know how, how dangerous some of this is. If you look at the brother at the bottom, Ahmed Best, who played Jar Jar, at one point, he contemplated taking his own life, you know, because of the, criti the criticism uh, of his of his uh, performance of the character, so on and so forth. I don't want to contribute to that. I'm not looking for brothers to take their own life behind none of this. I'm not looking for them to be depressed. I'm not. You know, but what I am saying is there is a legacy that I think needs to be put in the context in terms of how black men are represented. And, and, and much of the time you see these characters who are presented in a particular way that isn't even relevant to the story. Like the first trailer I saw for the last Star Wars trilogy, where you got to see John Boyega's uh, Finn for the first time. You see, this is the image I saw in the commercial. He takes his Star Trooper, his, uh, his, uh, uh, <laughs> oh man, I'm blanking on everything today. Uh, but he takes his helmet off and he looks like a runaway slave. This was two two seconds into the trailer. We hadn't seen anything yet about what this upcoming trilogy was going to look like. And this was the very first trailer. And I was just like, damn, looking terrified. And when I saw the movie, it was like, eh, there really wasn't a whole lot of reason for all of that. There really wasn't. Right. But it, it's, it's I find it interesting that it goes back to a very old trope about black men. And this is something you also saw with Asian men 
uh, in the depiction of, of you know, uh, what, what Dr. Tommy Curry would call racialized mas- uh, manhood, right? The idea that, uh, you know, these men were fearful, they were less than masculine, they were inherently cowardly, inherently cowardice, you know what I mean? And that's one of the things you saw uh, with, with Boyega's Finn, at least, you know, in terms of the trailer and aspects of the character. We can also talk about their asexualization, right? Because some of so black men can either be hypersexual or asexual, right? Where they almost have no sexuality at all, right? So normally in a film, his character and the female lead in the Star Wars series, whose name I will not mention, either the character or the actress, because I hated that series. But um, normally those two characters would have had some type of romantic interest. This was like watching two eight-year-olds. You know, it was childish. It was ridiculous. You know, they they literally kind of appreciate that officer. They literally neutered his character in a way. Right. But again, overly fearful in a manner that doesn't have anything to do with the story. Right. Nothing to do with the story. Now, when you watch Total Recall, and I know this is, you know, for some of you, it's an oldie um, Arnold Schwarzenegger film um, on Mars. Willie plays what starts out to be a cab driver you know double agent you know thief kind of character liar you know he's constantly lying about how many kids he has to beg people for money um that kind of thing um and it's you know a lot of his portrayal is what just wasn't even necessary in terms of that and i'm not talking about the way the actor portrayed him i'm talking about the way the character was written um full circle can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, Dr. Hassan. Hassan, how you doing, sir? Doing well. How about yourself? Great. I want to address something. You mentioned I'm kind of backtracking, but I'm going to jump into two movies. I'm going to, well, shows or movies. Star Trek, Star Trek with, um, is it Lieutenant Worf? Was it Lieutenant mm-hmm. Worf? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. matter. Uh, Worf. I'm going into the Star Trek part that you mentioned. Okay. So as right. a child, I'm just going to give my example. As a child, I didn't know I didn't know what was behind the 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 aesthetics or the you know the costume, referring to mm-hmm. a black man. As a child, I just thought that an alien was an alien. I didn't see the color behind it. So it's kind of hard mm-hmm. to look at that. And now, as adults, we know, like someone mentioned in in the comments, that they went to Comic Con or they met the character that played. Mm-hmm. Lieutenant Worf, okay? So as a child, it's different. Dr. Hassan, you don't really see that. You don't really know. So I get that, what what the studios is doing. In fact, I come from Paramount. So I get all of that. But as a child, you don't know anything like that. As adults, you catch it. By that time, it's too late. As a child, you don't see it, Dr. Hassan. That's Mm -hmm. one thing. So Mm -hmm. we we don't get it. Now, when you go into Total Recall, the character you should be speaking to, and that's a great movie to bring up, is the coward at the end. Remember the one that jumped in, was acting like he was trying to save Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he set him up? Now, that was a heck of a character to play. You talking and about why the, do we have, the black character? Remember the skinny dude, the black character, the skinny dude? Yeah, yeah totally out of line, totally out of pocket. You that's know, the one that... that was on the right, yeah, right, yeah. right. The one that led him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, that's the one, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I get it. We're going back to uh, Lieutenant Warp. He did the best he could. He tried to, but as a child, you don't know until you look up and then you start to get older. You know, you start to see the show more. You'd be like, is that a black guy or a white guy? Then you start going deep into the character. But as a child, Dr. Hassan, honestly, you truly don't know. And that's what's messed up about it. And I brought this up just real quick. I brought this up on Dennis Sperling. 
regardless of what's going on, I won't push that to the side. We need to start making our own images, everything. We have to start developing our own characters, characters in a positive light mm-hmm. for the children. And that's mm-hmm. where we're falling behind because there's no, because we don't have the budget or the money. We don't have like, we got our own studios like Tyler Perry to produce these movies for children and bring them in a positive light until it's too late, Dr. Hazan. And then we get older and figure out like, oh, is that was the, oh, that was the message. Oh, now I get it. By that time, Dr. Hassan, it's too late. Just Man, appreciate that full circle. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. I see that's important, but I want to shout out, you know, we got brothers uh, in the, in the space that are producing work. Um, let's see. Uh, I don't want to mispronounce his name. Uh, y'all help me out in the comment section. Brother Sean, uh, who has his own channel here on YouTube, uh, who writes his own comics. Um, his name, his last name escapes me in the moment. I'm having one of those weeks. Um, where I'm, I'm not remembering people's names particularly well. So somebody help me out. But uh, we do have brothers that are making, uh, producing their own comics, producing their own independent works. Um, one of the hard parts about it, though, is, you know, getting some distribution, getting some, you know, getting the proper amount of advertising, you know, to let people know your work is out there. And, you know, I mean, I, I have an institute for black male studies. I'm promoting classes and lectures and interviews. The hardest part about it is getting people to even know it exists, let alone getting them to support it. Um, uh, so, yeah, Sean James. Thank you, Gemini. Thank you, uh, DJ B-Side. Appreciate that. What uh, what the had a soul. I don't know how to pronounce that. But, yeah, Sean James. Y'all check out Sean's channel. He does his own independent work, uh, artwork. And he's always talking about comics. You know, we so we have it there. We don't always we're just not always in a uh, in a position. Now. So um, this is uh, was this G money. You got it. You got it, Doctor Tiasan Johnson. How are you doing this evening? How's doing well. Day? How about yourself, man? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts about uh, any one of the bullet points from tonight? What do you think? You know, I was on my way home. I was driving home, and I caught this show. And the first thing that came to my mind was John Boyega's character yes. in uh, in Star Wars. Yeah, I was like, I hope he talks about, it. and then you show it, right? <laughs> it just didn't make any sense how much of a coward he was. It, 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 and uh, when you saw the trailer when the movie when they were promoting the movie initially, I'm thinking he's going to be a Jedi. You're you're a Star Wars fan, right? Yeah, yeah, man. Oh, I'm yeah. thinking he's going to be a Jedi, and, and yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, yeah. he just turns out to be this coward. And it just didn't make any sense. Then when the when the trilogy progressed, it's like his his character just became irrelevant. Absolutely. But, it was but like, I was like, okay, I'm just tired of seeing this guy. What's he even doing here? Well, and remember in the yeah. first film, when he picks up a lightsaber, because that's what had us all thinking he might be a Jedi at some point. He picks up a light, lightsaber. He knows about as much about the Force as the lead character, which is nothing. And he promptly gets beat. He promptly gets whooped. Exactly. And, and it's it's embarrassing. It's sad. And it's yet- embarrassing. I, I want to call it racist. It, hey. It's uh, hey. it, it's racist. It's straight mm-hmm. up racism. The, well, the way it, they portrayed this this guy, he's a coward, well, and, and mm-hmm. he's getting he's getting his ass beat, and it's just mm-hmm. it's just insane. It, no, it, absolutely. It, it's almost like he's the court jester at at, at at some point. And his and then his, his and then you talk about then you talk about asexuality as well. You know? Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he he fits all those tropes. Absolutely, it just didn't make any sense. I was so I was so pissed off when I when I saw when I saw the trilogy. 
Mm-hmm. And, and he just it just got worse and worse as as the series got went on. Yeah, I was like, and, wow. And, and him losing at the end of that first film, what was it for? It highlighted how dangerous a threat Kylo was, and it highlighted how skillful the lead character was. Right, his his beating is as it were was used as a prop for other people's superiority. Right, and so that was one of the things I was talking about earlier. But any closing thoughts uh, that you had about this? Yeah, I just want to say great show. <laughs> and you just took the thoughts right out of my head when you started. I was like, I hope he talks about John Boyega's character in Star Wars because it was just a travesty. Oh, travesty. Now, I was expecting to see a Jedi, somebody that was nice with the Force, nice with the lightsaber. Mm-hmm. And it just turns out to be a court jester. And it, oh. it just got worse and worse after every movie. It just got worse and worse. Oh man! Oh, it, and it makes you think because I, I think I read a forum, and they were saying that there were a lot of people upset with John Boyega's character. They didn't want him getting with Ray, or mm-hmm. or there was, and they, they didn't they didn't want him to be a Jedi. And I'm thinking that they may have, the writers may have changed the story around just mm-hmm. to suit the the fans, the racist mm-hmm. fans, right? Like it was but, like but, it was going there, and then they changed their mind or something. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think that he was meant to be a Jedi, but. Mm-hmm. You know, there were a lot of uh, there was a lot of pushback from what I understand. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, well, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate you coming in on this. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, let me see. See, one of the things that made John Boyega's performance that much harder to take in was I had just watched him prior to Star Wars show up in Attack the Block, and. The character he played in Attack the Block was strong, you know, was and he was a, he was a kid. He was like 14, 15 years old, but he was strong. He was intelligent. He outsmarted the aliens. He saved the entire neighborhood. This was, you know, presented as a story in the hood, uh, I believe, in Britain. You know what I mean? And he plays just a regular kid who's who gets into trouble here and there and stealing wallets, doing little things. And he ends up saving the whole neighborhood. When I saw that film, by the time I saw him in the first trailer uh, about to be in this new Star Wars trilogy, I didn't. That's what made that this particular clip, the image you see on the screen, that's what made it that much more disappointing. But I still had hope uh, until I watched it and I saw the way they portrayed him. But if you saw Attack the Block, it was hard to have nothing but respect for for Boyega based on what um, you know we knew he'd bring to the table. Um, officer. <laughs> What's good, man? How you? What's your thoughts on some of this? Uh, I'm gonna keep it PG. (laughs) Okay. Um, One. I'm gonna talk about two major points. The first one is about Falcon. Okay. Number one, it shows the historical defeat, and we're black men have a fear of success. Okay. Anytime Captain America said, it looks good on you. Mm-hmm. And acknowledges you as the new captain. It's like getting a million dollars just saying, you know what? I'm going to give it back to the lottery. I don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. We have this fear of success. Like, we don't want to have all this this uh this uh power and responsibility on our shoulders okay and i looked at it through both my 
fan as a comic book of comic book genres mm-hmm. than as a military person. And I guess you could say paramilitary now. You see this a lot where when I try to go for different units or different things, black officers or soldiers were told, well, you know, you should stay where you are. It's cool. You don't have to worry about that much, but they'll pump up the white boys for the black women. Mm-hmm. Even when I was asking the first time I took the sergeant's test, mm-hmm. the females were brought off the street two hours early for the black black male sergeants to groom them. Okay. And but I actually barely act like they had time to answer my questions. Mm. And it was crazy because I'm like, wait a minute. You're either doing this because it's a sexual favor or because you think they can't handle it on their own. Mm. And the other part is the John Boyega character and all those, you know, who stepping fetchers, cowardly, oh, no, boss, I don't know if we can go into there. Mm. You know, you know that Scooby Doo character. <laughs> Scooby Doo. <laughs> so basically, they just they just turned him from a from a black man to a brown belt. That's all. Mm. Okay. And okay. You see it in the military where all these white boys are working out, taking steroids, doing martial arts, carrying about fifteen different knives. Mm. But as soon as we got to Iraq, I volunteered for one of the most dangerous jobs there, being part of the QRF, and had to see the lives of some of the people. Who try to look down upon me? Okay, and it's a reason why I always quote this one Bible scripture to people: Psalms one ten verse one. And the Lord said, "The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstools." Because with enough training and enough guile and a, and a chance, you'll outshine anybody. And I think it's very important that we actually call this bullshit out. Excuse my language. Because it's very detrimental to a black boy's psyche. Okay. Especially when he's growing and he's got to go into that world where what happens if you go into the realms like yourself, what you said on the video earlier, the higher you went in education, the less you've seen of people who look like you. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's the same mm-hmm. thing when you look at law enforcement or military. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Especially when you go to tactical, you know, a lot of you don't see a lot of us. Okay, right. We're not allowed to be the hero. We're the worker bee. Mm-hmm. Let's put a let's put a sequence number and a name tag on them, and we got numbers. Right. You're right. not you're not supposed to be thought of as intelligent. I had a sergeant who said, "Wow, I didn't know you were this intelligent." I, wow. Like, Where did you go to school? Um, I didn't finish college. Oh, you speak so well. This is a black sergeant who said it. I said, yeah. my reaction to him was, well, you know, all of us, all of us don't speak old bodies, all master, you know? Mm. But it's, it's, it's so ingrained in our culture. It's so ingrained in our culture. Uh-oh. Hey, oh, Sam, cut out. Hello. Oh. Yeah. I was going to say, it's so ingrained in our culture that we look, we look down upon ourselves with pity and shame. Mm-hmm. We don't even acknowledge our our smartest, our most intelligent, our most capable. You can't be the amalgamation of all this. That's why, you know, I have a soft spot for the character Panthro from the Thundercats. He was <laughs> think about it. He was not only the mm-hmm. biggest and the strongest, and he was mm-hmm. a master of every fighting art, but exactly. he was also the smartest. Right. 
Right. So he was also the smartest. He literally took wreckage from a space from a spaceship and made the Thunder Tank. Yep. And various other vehicles. Like he Absolutely. literally was the key to their survival. Mm-hmm. And that's why the algamation. I mean, look at the Bionic Six IQ. He was a big, strong guy, but he was the smartest out of everybody. And and now, I might have to get some some other people up in here, but you know, okay. I definitely want to shout out what you're talking about because, especially with Panthro, he was played by Earl Hyman, who mm-hmm. was the grandfather from the Cosby Show. Oh uh, yeah. So it was definitely you know positive influence all around. But give give us your closing thought. Well, my closing thought is is that. One hashtag I want to play the younger by um, Isaiah Bradley, <laughs> and also that <laughs> you know never forget that we are all the heroes of our own narrative. Right, <laughs> Thank you, right. good doc. Absolutely appreciate it, man. All right, peace. Um, all right, y'all, and we will be having uh, office hours tonight. So those of you who are members, uh, you can definitely pop in. We're going to continue continue the discussion. Uh, Renzo and then Devin, you're up next. So, Renzo, uh, do- about this? Dr. Johnson, thank you for having me, sir. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Oh, man. Uh, I, I'm, I'll try to be as fast as I possibly can, sir. So okay. while, while we're, you know, while staying on the subject. So um, I'm probably in the minority here, but uh, I just recently, a couple of years ago, finally went through the series uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> okay. And, and Angel. <laughs> so you probably might know where I'm going with this. Well, I I didn't watch either one, so I I know I, of them. That's per- you know them. what that that's cool. That's cool. So so long story short, so the the two few black dudes they had on there, like that's that was little more than reoccurring characters. Like for instance, uh, the first uh, prominent black dude they had in the Buffy series, he actually came on Angel. Okay. I don't know if you remember that. That was like the spinoff to Buffy. Okay. So his 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 name was Gun. He came in, you know, he was he was like he was already a vampire slayer. Mm-hmm. You know, he already well not a slayer, but he already killed vampires. He had a crew, you know, before he met Angel, him and Angel met up, you know, and then they started forming a crew, but I but if you notice like throughout the series, like just it's even the first one or two to three seasons, mm-hmm. he started getting away from from, you know, his old gang in the old neighborhood. He started becoming more quote unquote civilized, hanging out with Angel and the, you know, the kind of the Hollywood crew sorta. And uh long story short, the last season uh with him, um, so apparently it was his fault that one of the main girls of the crew, she died. She came back as this uh Lyria, as this e- eternal goddess, sort of speak. And, but it was mm-hmm. his fault that she died. Um okay. Okay. it was uh, he he also like they also dated when she was still in human form, but of course, uh, the white dude got jealous. He, he got his throat slit, you know, he, they had to go make him a badass, And so that, that was the only way they could make him more badder than the black dude more. And they even said it in the series, like, Oh, yo, she finally met somebody darker than you. You know? Yeah. Uh, Josh Whedon, Josh Whedon is the creator of Buffy and angel. And is Josh uh-huh. Whedon not, one of the creators of uh, the Marvel Universe or the, the films in the Marvel Universe? Yeah, and then some hot water about his portrayal of Cyborg in the recent uh, Justice League series. Oh. Yeah. oh, it gets better, too, from there. Also in Buffy, they had another black guy. He was uh, he was in the last season. So mm-hmm. um, the the series mostly revolved or took place at, at a high school called Sunnyvale. So 
you know, after like season four or five, they kind of went to college and, you know, they kind of got away from high school. So the last season they went back to the high school and there was a black principal running the school okay. because all the other principals had got eaten by the monsters or what have you. But the black principal, he was actually played by the brother uh, from the Temptations movie who played Melvin. Okay, I'm not familiar. Dark skin, bro. Yeah, dark skin cat. Uh, real cool dude. Um, I forgot what else he was in, but uh, okay. yeah. So, uh, I know that like at first they was cool with him. Like I noticed Josh has this pattern. Like he'll bring a black dude on. He'll have him mm-hmm. seeming legit at first, like like you know, just like a real situation, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I noticed though, like towards the end, they even had him as a potential love interest for Buffy. But after a while. He started pushing his white boys through. So, of course, the, the principal, he uh, he tried to fight one of the the villains or the former villains because, you know, only uh, white dudes could become villains and then become heroes and save the day. And also a former villain that, that Buffy fell in love with after a while, uh, he, he killed the, the black principal's mother way back in the 70s. Okay. So they, they he the principal ended up putting two and two together. So he tried to kill the dude. But him not knowing how close Buffy and the dude was, you know, okay. so when he tried to kill him and he, he didn't succeed, in, oh, he, he also didn't succeed in it. So and he was in a room full of crosses and, and, the, and the dude was a vampire. Okay. okay. And he had him in a room full of and he still couldn't kill him. So that, that's kind of showing how weak the black guy is there, too. So he okay. didn't kill him. And then guess, guess who everybody's mad at him now? Like, oh, how dare you? You you're not the mission and the mission's more important. And if you get in my way, I'll kill you. And this, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Straight All like right. that. And, and it's, it's no coincidence that, that that's a Josh Whedon original. Also, I, I'll, I'll say one more thing. Josh Whedon also had another series called, uh, all right. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, it was on a WB. It okay. was, uh, they had, it was about aliens coming to earth. Long story short, one of the, in the first, in the pilot of the episode, one of the mm-hmm. first few black people they show was a black woman, and uh, for some reason they I, I, they were doing some kind of uh, shit. I, I don't know what they were doing, but they had a black chick get on there, and the first thing she said was, "I want to be Brad Pitt's love slave," verbatim. Okay. okay. She said that like ver like no other way around that, and it's just like oh another Josh Whedon original. Uh, nope. Roswell, nope. that's what it was called. It's called Roswell. He used to okay. come on the WB. <laughs> and that was in the all in the pilot. All right, all right. Well, I appreciate that, man. Thanks for that. Oh no, I, I appreciate you, Doctor Johnson. I'm a big fan. Uh, out, out of the manosphere, I don't know if you include yourself in that, but like you're the greatest. You and Kevin Samuels are the greatest in the manosphere. BGS oh. is dope too. Uh, King Sigma, man, I, I love you guys, man. man. Well, I'm humbled by that, man. Thanks a lot, brother. You take it Thank easy, you, sir. Thank you for having me. Um, there's really this one thing he said that I, I thought was interesting when he was bringing up, uh, you know, characters earlier on. And I wanted to just shout out one character who took advantage of, um, his position. He came in, uh, under, a, in a white show, Spencer for hire, and he played Hawk. He got his own spinoff, you know, but he, he really rallied that and, t- and took it in another direction. So, you know, he, he made, his character Hawk, a three-dimensional black male. Whereas in the Spencer series, the way he was kind of written, it was supposed to be this kind of one-dimensional. You didn't really know he was a, he was an anti-hero, supposed to be a little bit of a thug. But by the time he gets his own series, he really kind of three-dimensionalizes the character and makes him human, right? And then by the time you see him again in, in Star Trek, 
Deep Space Nine, uh, he rounds that out even further, making him a father. So I just wanted to shout out Avery Brooks. And I am suggesting like series like that to me meet the criteria I'm talking about where black men can be presented as human beings. Right. Um, so let me bring up Devin. What's How up, you Devin? doing, brother? Good. How you doing? Very good. Doc, I'm a very big fan of yours. I actually live right down Foothill from the Claremont Colleges. So every oh, time wow. I see your show, yeah, okay. I'm reminded. I go right down to Claremont every day. Oh, wow. Um, All right. I, I, own, I own a health center right here at uh, Mountain and Foothill, right, okay. in Upland. Okay. All right. I'm the brother that started the uh, the Black American Party. I sent you an email about the Black American Party. Brother, okay. I'm ready. I am so ready for us to start exposing these people. Mm. I have a meme that I'm circulated. I've circulated over uh, over the internet for years about um, uh, what's his name, Seagram's Jen, uh, um, uh, Brinkman Jr. or whatever. It'll come to me. Uh, uh, the, the the family that makes Seagrams, right? Okay. Um, the father actually wrote uh, a, a a book about how much he hated the fact that his son married a black woman. His mm. son married the sister from Shaft, the sister that played the wife on Shaft. Uh, mm. Dion Warwick introduced them to each other. Um, okay. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll come to me. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not here to trash his name. I'm just okay. saying, you know, just to give you an example, I'm all about receipts and I'm all about calling these people out, man. You know, mm -hmm. let me give you a little history. I got a gig as I'm a biomedical engineer and I'm also a SAG after, right? Actor. Uh, but I got a gig uh, working on The Deadliest Warrior, the TV show, right? Where they would measure, they would match up a Yakuza versus Mafia, whatever, and these imaginary things. It was Spike Television, right? Spike TV. Oh, okay. Okay. Now, I got the gig as a biomedical engineer because they needed me to put the sensors on everything and to measure the speed of the bullets and the speed of punching and whatever, you know, forces and stuff. Mm -hmm. So when I went for the interview, I happened to bring my resume as well as my headshots. Okay. So I got cast for the show as well. Mm -hmm. So that was interesting because they hired me for my biomedical engineering expertise. Okay. But after I explained to everybody what was going on, the director came up and said, okay, when we start sh uh, rolling, the white boy is going to tell you what you told him. And you're going to sit there and act like you're learning from him. Okay. Okay. This is the kind of stuff that happens in Hollywood. So you got to see it from the other side of the camera as an actor. I had a fight with the director on the set. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I caused damage to my career right there on the set right. because yes, I got to see it. And, 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 I'm just going to tell you like it is, okay? I don't, I don't care about labels. Mm -hmm. We're dealing with people who are very clever and very intelligent, by and mm -hmm. large, highly intelligent, Ashkenazi Jews. That's right, I said it. Mm -hmm. They're very intelligent people, and they know exactly what they're doing with this imagery that they're creating, okay? And let me tell you why I hate it. I've traveled to over 30 countries on business alone, and I know how people think when all they've been exposed to is the TV from in the mm -hmm. movies from the United States. Mm -hmm. And and mm -hmm. here I am, my company Biometrics is providing medical equipment maintenance in Beverly Hills and I'm known as one of the the, the probably the best company that provides this service. But I have foreign doctors that come into the United States mm -hmm. opening up these clinics and when I come to them with what is a damn good price, mm 
mm-hmm. for the highest quality service. I'm the only company that offers online reports with video. Okay, nobody gives you reports in any industry online portals with video. Okay, but they still have a problem paying my price. And then I tell them, hey, shop around, shop around. Okay, I want to know if you can find somebody better at a better price. In fact, bring me a better price and I'll match it. Okay, now I I appreciate that, but they can't. Anything else on the subject, though? Because we're about to. No, no, it is. I'm just saying, okay, the reason they think this way. Mm-hmm. Is because they watch television in their own country. They uh-huh. watch movies in their own country before they come here. Mm-hmm. This is why we have to start calling these people out who are producing these images. Because mm-hmm. it is not only damaging our children's minds, it's damaging us as black men. When mm-hmm. these people, you know, right now they're saying hold the floodgates open and let everybody who wants to immigrate into the United States come into the United States. Mm-hmm. They're coming here with the images in their head given to them by Hollywood that the black man in particular, Mm -hmm. not just black people, the black male in particular is at the bottom of the totem pole and does not deserve respect. And that is what these, that is what all of this is for. It's Mm -hmm. not only, you know, for recycling the social ills that, that plagued the black community into the ears of our children, like they've been doing with gangster rap and gangster culture for generations, for decades. It's not just that. It's a it's a big picture, right, where they got all of white people thinking all of us are dumb, ignorant thugs. Mm-hmm. And they got half of us thinking that all the white people are rednecks and, 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 and you know, ready to shoot us and, and, and whatever mm-hmm. for no reason. And I believe all of that imagery is just a big game of divide and conquer. OK, you okay. see, it's a big, big game of divide and conquer. Now, white supremacy does exist. White oppression does exist. But the the the, the, the playing up of these stereotypes is very deliberate. And mm-hmm. I'm ready to start calling the individuals out. I think we're at a time right now where we can define it as a hate crime to put these images in the media that mm-hmm. are so destructive to the evolution of our people, right? Mm-hmm. The Jews have a group evolutionary strategy. We need to develop a group evolutionary strategy that says, hey, man, this is psychic pollution. For you to create these images is a hate crime. It's a hate crime toward black Americans. And not only should you be liable civilly, we should actually start pursuing it as criminal because we are all aware and intelligent and educated and savvy enough in technology to know the, the 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 effects on the psyche and the subconscious and and the sociological effects on society. Mm-hmm. And I'm tired of it, brother. And you're tired of it. And I and I got two sons. I'm raising black men. Okay. And I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to bring black men up in a world where these little subtle messages, little subtle. Oh, it's just entertaining. Ha ha ha. The black guy's a buffoon. Oh, it's just entertaining. Right, right, ha, right, ha, right, right. A grown black man has a baseball cap on backwards in the fucking excuse my language, brother. And 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 a wife beater and and, and his draw showing it. No, man. OK. We're going to have to start finding the individuals who are putting the money behind Mm -hmm. greenlighting the decision to display these images because they are intelligent. Mm -hmm. When I go to Hollywood parties and I talk to the people, okay, that are making these decisions, they're not stupid. They know what they're doing. Yeah. It's deliberate. But I appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you. you. 
and 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 uh you know I, I look forward to working with you hopefully man uh to help me put something together for the black american party uh mm-hmm. because i believe that it, it we really need to readdress respect for the black man in order mm-hmm. to bring back the uh patriarchy in order to bring back restore dignity to the black family okay it's like well, sure heteronormative it, family that's really going to if and, and this goes to anybody if you don't have a message you want to send me go to my main website doc uh it's just uh johnson.com and you can email me straight from there all right com. i will do this brother all right, man. Appreciate it. Thank that. you for the time, man. Much love, much respect. All right. Peace. Peace. All right, y'all. Um, we're going to close out. I appreciate you guys coming through, uh, discussing this with me tonight. Appreciate the participation, the donations. Appreciate all of that. Like I said, there will be an office hours tonight. So for members on the YouTube channel, all you got to do is go to my main channel on YouTube, click on the community tab. In the next few minutes after we close off of here, I will post the link. And you can come on in and uh, engage uh, engage me on the subject from the night. And I will talk to you guys there. So let's go ahead and move it a little forward. Y'all know what we do. Oh, man, I'm having all kinds of technical little issues tonight. This is weird. All right. Um, and we go in here. There we go. I think we're, we're working. And... Y'all know um, how I like to close it out. As a matter of fact, uh, let me see if I can just enlarge that. Man children, sperm donors, child support wellsprings, success objects, walking phalluses, ATM machines, lottery tickets, brainless henchmen, valueless assassins, pro bono mercenaries, unpaid bodyguards, interchangeable stepfathers, child discipline proxies, unpaid repairmen, workhorses, emotional tampons, or any other socially accepted dehumanizing stereotype. We are thinkers, inventors, innovators, leaders, fathers, warriors, and men. Embrace your humanity, know your worth, and extend your time, attention, and resources only to those who genuinely respect you. And remember, your worth is not defined by meeting other people's narcissistic, selfish, and unrealistic needs. You define your own worth. All right? Peace. Thank you.